the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed the notorious Bob France Authority this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much for joining us at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this victorious Monday, the eighth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Yes, victory is ours. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I have ever allowed it or ever experienced it tasting so very, very sweet. I don't know if you are much of a rock and roll fan. I don't know if you like classic rock and roll, but if you do, you probably like yourself a little bit of Van Halen. And Van Halen once did a song, I don't even know what year it came out, sometime in the 80s, called Panama. It is one of my favorite Van Halen songs, and I knew it would only be a matter of time. And as it turns out, it was a very short period of time we had to wait before somebody turned Panama into Kavanaugh. So without for as soon as I heard this on Saturday, I said I'm starting the show on Monday with this celebratory tune. First of all, say the words out loud with me. Justice. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Can you dig it? Enjoy this as much as I do. It's the full version of the song, by the way, about three and a half minutes. So settle in and enjoy the rock stylings of the cigar rappers. That's who did this cover. To announce that I will nominate Judge Brett Kavanaugh to the United States Supreme Court. (laughs) 
here's the hook. One more time. Uh, now we get to the bridge in the middle of the songs. That's a good enough place, I suppose, to fade it out. You get the point. The video is better than the audio because on the video, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful series of scenes and video and still shots from this extraordinary experience with all of the left. And it includes all the lyrics, which you may or may not be able to make out uh, in the actual song, kind of like most rock music where you can't usually make out the lyrics and you got to look them up if you really want to know what you're singing. But anyway, the video is phenomenal. It's Kavanaugh, a parody of Van Halen's Panama. And uh, with the lyrics and everything else, I have tweeted it. It's on my Facebook page. Uh, check it out for yourself. If you are a social media user, uh, find it on my Facebook page, which is France Radio. France, F-R-A-N-T-Z, Radio. And you can also find it on Twitter. My Twitter feed is uh, is Radio Done Right. Radio Done Right. So make sure that you're sure that you check that out as well. So uh, yeah, it's a fantastic. Thing. I knew somebody was going to do it. I just didn't know when. You know, my friend, uh, actually my cousin, who is uh, you know used to be in a rock band herself. She actually came up with the idea of doing something with uh, Copacabana, Barry Manilow, instead of Copacabana, Scotus Cavana. Which was uh, very interesting too. It didn't couldn't get it recorded in time, but uh, Panama just jumped right out. The cigar wrappers did this one in like a day. It seems uh, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, way to look at this whole thing. So it is victory. It is victory for whom you may ask. The victory is not for the Republican Party. The victory is not for the conservative movement. Getting justice, Brett Kavanaugh confirmed on Saturday, is a victory for the rule of law. Getting Justice Kavanaugh, who as Judge Kavanaugh was one of the most extraordinarily qualified justice nominees to come down the pike in modern American history. And that's no disrespect to Neil Gorsuch. It's no disrespect to to uh, 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 Judge Roberts. It's no disrespect to Judge uh, Just, Justice Roberts, rather, Justice Thomas. Or, or Alito. And I'm going to leave off the three that I'm not a big fan of. Although, again, their qualifications earned them a spot on the court. Obama picked two of them. And who was it? Um, I'm trying to remember who appointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, it had to be somebody in, uh, what, about uh, the 20s? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But her story is another one. We'll come to. But the point is, there very few justice nominees or judge nominees for the position of associate justice have come down the pike by a president uh, as a nominee with 
the experience that Judge Kavanaugh has over a decade on the second highest court in the country, the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals, over a decade there, 28 years of public service between the Bush White House and all of these years on the uh, federal bench. I mean, just a phenomenally well-qualified public servant who's, quite honestly, his merits and his qualifications were not in question, which is why they had to turn their opposition, the Democrats did, to his personal life. They had to find some way to personally slander him, demean him, smear him, because his qualifications were extraordinary. So the victory yesterday, or, or Saturday, rather, the victory in getting his confirmation is not a victory for the Republicans and the conservatives. It's a victory for the country. It's a victory for due process. It's a victory for, quite honestly, all Americans who believe in the Constitution. Because what happened on Saturday was simply the Constitution in action. More importantly, it was the Constitution being put in play and being enacted upon in opposition to those who would put it through a paper shredder. And the left would absolutely do that. They do not believe in the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not believe in the original intent of the founders. And if they could, they would put the Constitution through a paper shredder. Then they would pick up that paper shredder and put it through a bigger paper shredder. And then they would set the bigger paper shredder on fire. They don't believe in it. The left does not believe in the constitutional principles therein, which is why, by the way, they opposed Brett Kavanaugh, and they opposed Neil Gorsuch, and they opposed virtually every constitutional conservative, because constitutional conservatism is simply constitutionality. It's simply originalism. Constitutional conservatives do not believe that the Constitution is a living, breathing document that can change over time it, and without, obviously, constitutional amendments. But they believe in it as it was written, and they don't believe that you can just change it to fit your narrative of the moment, which is what the left does. Now, if you're looking for an example of this, let me share this with you as we get started in this analysis of what happened uh, this morning. Justice Elena Kagan, who of course was uh, one of Barack Obama's two appointees to make it to the court during his eight years in office, Justice Elena Kagan made a very interesting statement in an event on Friday, the day before the confirmation, but the day of, the day of Susan Collins' unbelievable, spectacular, 45-minute Senate floor presentation as to why she was voting for Judge Kavanaugh, putting him over the top, or actually giving him one to spare. Because Flake went yes, as you know, um, because uh, Joe Manchin from the, from the Democrat side crossed over and went yes. Susan Collins was huge. She was a huge part of this. But almost at the same time she was speaking, I don't exactly have the hour, but on the same day, Justice Elena Kagan was speaking at an event in Princeton, at Princeton University. And when she was there, she made a statement that I find very, very telling and, quite frankly, very, very troubling. Justice Elena Kagan said at this event that it isn't clear whether or not there will be a middle position, like the position occupied by Justices O'Connor and Kennedy on the Supreme Court going forward. Now, here was her quote at Princeton. Listen to it carefully, please. Quote, 
I think it's been an extremely important thing for the court that in the last really 30 years, starting with Justice O'Connor and continuing with Justice Kennedy, there has been a person who people found the center where people couldn't predict in any sort of way. And that's enabled the court to look as though it was not owned by one side or another and was indeed impartial and neutral and fair. And it's not so clear that, I think, going forward, that sort of middle position, you know, it's not so clear whether we'll have it. End quote. Now, if you're asking yourself, what's so bad about that? What do you mean? Why is that so extraordinarily important, Bob? Well, let me explain. Justice Elena Kagan is a member of that court. She is saying that with Kennedy's resignation and Kavanaugh's appointment, there is no middle ground anymore. There is no, uh, there is no how do, hold on, uh, impartial, neutral, and fair arbiter in the middle of that thing. That means she is admitting her own self. She is admitting that she is not impartial, neutral, and fair as a Supreme Court justice. In my view, Elena Kagan at Princeton on Friday just disqualified herself from hearing cases on the Supreme Court. She just acknowledged that she herself is not impartial, neutral, and fair because she's saying that the court is going to be, um, there are people on one side and people on another side, and now without Kennedy, there's no one who's impartial, neutral, and fair. She's saying that she, being on one side, which is, of course, we know the liberal side, is not impartial, neutral, or fair. That there's no middle position now. I think going forward, that sort of middle position, you know, it's just, it's not so clear whether we'll have it. We don't have a middle position because she's saying that some are biased on one side and we're biased on our side. And you might say to yourself, yeah, but she's saying it about both. So what? She can't speak for other people. Let me tell you what I think Samuel Alito would say when, when, when asked the same question. Let me tell you what I think John Roberts would say, what Clarence uh, Thomas would say what uh, Neil Gorsuch would say, and what the newly minted Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh would say about this. They wouldn't say that they are, they are on one side. They wouldn't say that they are on the side of, of, of one political ideology or another. They would say, we are constitutionalists. Each one of them would say, I think we have a, a, an impartial, neutral, and fair court because we are impartial, neutral, and fair. We interpret the Constitution as it was written. That's it. That's our job. Elena Kagan is the only one saying that, yeah, there's no middle position. There's that side and there's our side. You're not supposed to have a side. You're wearing a blasted robe, Justice Kagan. I think she has just disqualified herself from virtually any and all cases that come before that court because she can't be trusted to be impartial, neutral, and fair by her own admission. 921, we'll get a timeout. We'll come back. I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945, It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer.
925 now. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday morning to you. We'll go right to your phone calls here, but I want you to hear this in Elena Kagan's own words. As the left has continued to beat Brett Kavanaugh up about balance on the court and about how they need to have uh, a swing justice to replace the swing vote that was Anthony Kennedy and we can't let the court tilt to the right, etc., etc., this is Elena Kagan, Supreme Court Justice. Starting with Justice O'Connor and um, and continuing with Justice Kennedy, there has been a person who people who found the center or people couldn't predict in that sort of way. It's not so clear that, uh, you know, I think going forward, uh, uh, that sort of middle position, uh, you know, it's not so clear whether we'll have it. That was only part of what she said. The part that CNN left out there was when she said that... Um, that um, impartiality she talked the, the part that of the quote that i gave you before the part about impartiality where elena kagan essentially said that we won't have an impartial member of the judicial of the uh, supreme court anymore that's enormous quote that's enabled the court to look as though it was not owned by one side or another and was indeed impartial and neutral and fair in other words end quote in other words the court is no longer impartial neutral and fair because we don't have that person like Kennedy who can see and become the middle. What I want to know is how a Supreme Court justice can admit such a thing without, without somebody calling her out on it and saying, wait a minute, you're saying you are not impartial? You are not fair? You are not neutral when cases come before you? You are predisposed to judging them in a certain way? Because if you are, why are you on that court? Why won't somebody ask Elena Kagan, hey, what do you mean? We can't have somebody who can find the center. Why don't you volunteer? Instead of being so diehard activist, liberal activist sitting on the bench as if you were a legislator instead of a jurist, why don't you volunteer to step up and play the Kennedy role? And don't vote in every single, uh, every single time in the, uh, in the liberals' best interest. How about that, Elena? Justice Kagan, why don't you step up and be impartial? And, um, and continuing with Justice Kennedy... There has been a person who people who found the center or people couldn't predict in that sort of way. Why don't you volunteer to be somebody who finds the center where people can't predict what you're going to do because you're not automatically going to be a vote for the left? How about you be the swing vote? Sometimes you might go to the right. Sometimes you might see things in a way that is different from your leftist ideology. How about it, Elena? I find this a staggering turn of events. Just a, a couple of days, well, actually, it was going on on Friday is what this audio is from. I find it staggering that at the same time, Judge Kavanaugh is being assailed for his viewpoints and assailed for his qualifications and documents, and then, of course, his character assassinated and slandered and smeared and so on and so forth. While all of that is going on, you had a Supreme Court justice at Princeton University saying she is not fair, impartial, and balanced. She is decidedly uh, biased in one political ideology or another, and we know that she is a liberal political ideologue, and as a Supreme Court justice, to admit such a thing, I think, is disqualifying. If I'm Mitch McConnell, if I'm, well, how about this, if I'm Chuck Grassley, and, 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 and I guess I can go to the House. We'd have to go to the House. So if I'm Paul Ryan and if I'm leadership, you know, they're talking about impeaching Brett Kavanaugh 
on no grounds whatsoever. He just took the job. I would start talking about impeachment of Elena Kagan, who is admitting in an open interview forum before a, a, a crowd in an auditorium at Princeton that she is not impartial when she judges cases, that she is not neutral, that she is not fair. I think imp- impeachment grounds might very well have already been established. I want your thoughts on it. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. I see you on hold there. Stay where you are. I promise I'm coming to you next. No more audio clips. Your phone calls directly after news on AM 1420 The Answer. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420. The answer. What do you think? You want a little more Kavanaugh? I, I just kind of feel like. This thing should surge to the top of the billboard charts. And by the way, the cigar wrappers who did that cover of Van Halen's Panama, I mean, first of all, it's epic. It's awesome for its content. But man, they sound just like Van Halen. Dude sounds just like David Lee Roth uh, when uh, David Lee was the lead singer of uh, <laughs> of Van Halen. That video, as, as I said, it's better because it's got the lyrics on it uh, on the screen. It's uh, better than the audio version of it, and it's on my uh, Twitter feed and my Facebook page. So follow me on Twitter and uh, follow me on Facebook. Twitter, it's Radio Done Right, and Twitter, or excuse me, Facebook, it's France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Check it out. Uh, and watch that and share it and spread it far and wide. If you're looking for just a way to put yourself in a good mood, listen to Kavanaugh uh, instead of Panama. Uh, let's go to Mark in Fairview Park. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll get those phones answered here in a moment for everybody else. But, Mark, you're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. I just wanted to find out, is today uh, Shakespeare Monday? Uh, it can be if you want it to be. Okay, well, let me. I'll speed it up here. Uh, you know, after this Kavanaugh episode, I hope the wind is knocked out of the opposition here for a while, and all these miscreants won't be. had to, had to won't deal be. with this. Yeah, you know, this last week, uh, the situation reminds me of Henry V's campaign, the execution and hanging of a Bardoff, an ugly man, a drunk, and a face that shows it for stealing from a church. Shakespeare, the enemy's losses have been very great, pretty substantial. To tell the truth, though, I think the Duke hasn't lost a single man except for one who will probably be executed for robbing a church, a Bardolf. His face is all bubicles and whelks and knobs and flames of fire, and his lips blow at his nose. And it is like a coal of fire, sometimes blue and sometimes red. But his nose is executed, and the fire's out. And I just want to say I hope that some of the fires have been put out in the opposition for a little while, but I really doubt it. I do, too. I love the great job. I love the references, the great analogies to today. I think it's perfect, but no, I, I, I don't think that the fires are out. In fact, I think they're stoked. In fact, that's a really good question, <clears throat> a very important question, as a matter of fact, um, uh, as to which side is going to be more ramped up for this. Now, 
I think it's very clear, and we, we talked about some of the polls last week on the program toward the end of the week, uh, about the, um, uh, the enthusiasm gap that was a good 10 to 12 points in favor of the Democrats as recently as two weeks ago. But last week, at the end of last week, that had been narrowed to two points because more and more Republicans described the midterm elections as being very important as opposed to the way they had been the previous week where uh, the Democrats had a 12-point gap in that regard about the midterm elections being very important. Important to very important, I think, was the actual standard there. And Republicans, a good 10 to 12 points less. As of Friday, I believe it was, the last poll that came out, that was now a two-point gap. 82% of Democrats said the midterms are very uh, important to very important. 80% of Republicans. So we knew Republicans surged by about 10 points in terms of those that, that you know find the midterms to be crucial to our success going forward. Not our success as a party. That's the divisiveness that too many people you know grasp onto. Uh, but in terms of our national success, we believe that, that the, the uh, conservative movement needs to, to thrive, and it needs to grow, and it needs to be expanded in November. We knew that the Kavanaugh ordeal, in which this decent, honorable, respectful, seasoned, uh, decades-long servant to the country, so highly rated by all judicial organizations, including the liberal ABA, the American Bar Association, which, by the way, now that they see he's going, to, he has been confirmed. Now they're looking for reasons to reevaluate his rating, which is hysterical, blaming it on his temperament uh, at the uh, hearing uh, two Thursdays ago. But this this decent and honorable man's being savaged and smeared and destroyed in the way that he was, it has just re ignited the fire under the behinds of the Republican voters who are going to go out there and make sure that the uh, they keep control of the Senate, that the Republicans keep control of the House, and that the conservative movement can continue forward with President Trump's leadership being supported by these very important legislative uh, legislators. All right? But the defeat that the Democrats just suffered that they weren't able to flip Collins, that they weren't able to keep Manchin in their camp, that they weren't able to flip Jeff Flake, that they weren't able to stop the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh, the anger and the rage that they feel is off the charts. If you watch and listen and read all of the absolute insanity being practiced right now by the left from death threat videos of beheadings being sent to the wives of GOP senators who voted to confirm to public physical demonstrations and harassment of Trump slash Kavanaugh supporters in public places to to the public harassment and physical intimidation of talk show hosts like Brian Kilmeade headed to the New York subway, to the the uh, extraordinary intimidation, mob-style tactics driving Republicans continuing like Ted Cruz out of restaurants. They are livid that they were unsuccessful in stopping this confirmation. And now, by now anyway, they realize... We can't beat them unless we outvote them. By now they realize that the Republicans have been doing it right all along. Instead of mob-style tactics, they just organized the vote. 
And now the left realizes it. They've got to outvote us. They didn't outvote us in 2016, in November, when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. And do not talk to me about the... I'll get to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in a few. Don't give me this stuff about popular votes. It is so bleeping ridiculous. The two largest cities in America, representing, what, 15 to 20 million people between them, about 7.5 million people in New York, about a similar number in, uh, in Los Angeles, the two most liberal cities in America... Um, are New York and L.A., the two largest cities, are the most liberal cities. They are guaranteed massive numbers of, of, uh, of uh, popular votes for the Democrat in almost every election. Should the people of New York and Los Angeles decide the presidency of the United States for people in North Dakota, for people in Kansas, for people in Wisconsin and Iowa and, and, and Montana? No. No, there's a reason why it doesn't work that way, because everybody has a say in who becomes their president, not just the people on the coasts where the massive populations gather. It doesn't work that way. But at any rate, they didn't come out and, and beat us to the vote in November of 2016. Think about what happened back in 2010. Think about what happened in 2008 when Barack Obama... This far-left, socialist-leaning community organizer rose up from the political depths of nowhere to become the um, Democratic nominee and then the president of the United States. A man who so despised the United States that he declared he wanted to fundamentally transform it, change it into something that he does like. Right? Right? Remember how we reacted as conservatives and Republicans in 2008, 2009? We didn't throw mob parties or, or uh, riots in the streets. We held respectful, organized rallies as tea partiers on approved sites in cities and towns all across the country where they went ahead and got the uh, registration and the reservations for the uh, the various public locales where they held these parties at parks or these uh, events. Uh, speaking, I know I spoke at several of them at parks or on other public grounds. They got the regist- uh, the necessary registration and approvals, and they did not block traffic, and they didn't attack storefronts, and they didn't attack people who disagreed. They just organized for the purpose of what? Getting out the vote. If you want to limit the damage that this socialist who wants to transform America can do to us, they said back in 2009 and 2010, we have to outvote them. We've got to get his party out of Congress. So they went to the polls and they did. They took over the House of Representatives. Then two years later, they did it to the Senate and took the Senate over. The Republican Party has never dis- never let mob rule determine how they change the direction of the politics of the country. They've never done it by mob rule. They've done it by elections. And they did it again in November of 2016. So the Republicans have always known it's not about pounding on the doors of Congress. It's not about pounding on the doors of the Supreme Court the way they did. Getting inside the various chambers and screeching and screaming, shame, shame. 
throwing their little toddler-like temper tantrums, stomping their feet until they get their way. Republicans rather organized, had professional speakers come in, talked about the importance of getting the vote out to stop things like Obamacare, changing one-sixth of the American economy and robbing millions of their health care plans and their doctors. They talked about, hey, we can't, we can't just stomp our feet and make them change that. We have to go to the polls and get enough people in our, in, in Congress for us to change that. And by the way, that effort is ongoing today because we still don't, haven't gotten rid of Obamacare. We got rid of the individual mandate, which is a start. But the healthcare system is still in grave danger because of Obamacare. And so we continue to try to get more and more what? Stompers at, at on the National Mall in D.C., chanting and holding signs and, and, and making A's of themselves? No, that's not what we do. We continue to try to work to get out the vote. The problem now is the Democrats may have seen the errors of their way. That doesn't mean they're going to stop being idiots. That doesn't mean they're going to stop uh, their, their marches and their chanting. They're not going to continue. They're not going to stop threatening GOP voters like uh, Susan Collins, who voted for the confirmation, or the wives of GOP senators uh, like uh, Cory Gardner. They're not going to stop the nonsense that they engage in, but they are also going to vote. They know that this is the key. They can't get their way by shows of rioting and blocking traffic and intentionally getting themselves arrested, acting like, uh, you know, like I said, little juveniles uh, on the National Mall in D.C., they know they have to vote. So this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. All right, uh, let me uh, let me take this quick time out here. I'm told we have Congressman Jim Jordan. I wasn't sure if we were going to talk this morning. We'll get a quick time out here, come back with the Congressman on AM 1420 The End. Well, I didn't promote Congressman Jim Jordan's visit today because I wasn't 100% certain we were going to get him on the air. But look at this. As he always does, Congressman Jordan delivers. He found a way to get in at 950. <laughs> Congressman, thank you, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hope you had a good weekend yourself, Bob. Are you kidding? <laughs> it couldn't have been a better Brown. weekend? What? The, the, Browns, the Browns win and Kavanaugh goes on the court, right? It's just a good weekend. I guess if I could. could just win it even there better, you right? go. I was just going to say, I guess it could have been better. We couldn't be down 0-2 in the ALDS against the Astros, but uh, you can't get it all. What you can get, though, is the most important thing, and that is the confirmation of Justice Kavanaugh. Yes. Now we can call him Justice Kavanaugh. You know, I said this morning, Congressman, this is not a win for the Republican Party. It's not a win for the president. It's not a win for the conservative movement. This is a win for the rule of law. This is a win for the yes. United States of America and our Constitution. Yes, it's, it's, it's a win for, you know, it's supposed to be uh, innocent until proven guilty. It's a win for, as you said, the rule of law. And probably most importantly, it's a win for constitutionalism on the court, because that's, that's, why, that's why Judge Kavanaugh was selected in the first place by the President of the United States to, feel the, uh, to fill that important, uh, important position. So, yeah, this is, this is a good day for the country. The left doesn't think so, but I think it is a, a very good day for uh, uh, a very good day for the country. Um, can you give me some reaction to your friends on the left? I mean, uh, some of the things that we heard, not just from the actual senators themselves, because some of the thing, things they've said have just been absolutely horrific. The things they have called Judge Kavanaugh, not just leading up to the vote, but even after the vote, the, the smearing continues, and now also threats to impeach, but also the, the stuff of their supporters on the left. Uh, is, you know, they're, they're sending beheading videos to the wives of GOP senators. I mean, some of the reactions. 
positions have been just so beyond the pale, I can't even put them into words. They, they, the, the left has gone completely crazy. Um, I, I did a tweet last week where we talked about, uh, you know, they applaud Kaepernick and they destroy Kavanaugh. Uh, that is now where the, the American uh, left is in, in, in today. And it's, it's scary. You know, they applaud Kaepernick when he disrespects the flag. They embrace Governor Cuomo when he says America was never that great. And they cheer on Maxine Waters when she says, go harass anybody who supports the president. And that's exactly what they've been doing. And what they did to Judge Kavanaugh and his family took it to a whole new level. Um, this is sad because you and I as conservatives, we would never do that to people who are on the left. But they think it's now appropriate to do that to good people like Judge Kavanaugh and all kinds of other folks um, like Cory Gardner's wife, what he was, uh, what she was sent, and on and on it goes. So this is this is just unfortunate. Let's talk about policy. Let's talk about ideas. That's how it's supposed to be in, in in America. And we have this great thing called the First Amendment. But let's not do the crazy things that they've been doing. No, I completely agree. Um, although I will say this, in, in in kind of wrapping this up, what Lindsey Graham said yesterday morning on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, I don't know if you saw it or not, was very, very important. You know, he said to Chuck Schumer, you know, you, you, you're trying to say that this particular nominee is, the, is, is what uh, drove you guys so crazy because all of these allegations and so on and so forth. He presented the list of 25 or so names that the president had given before he was even elected president. When he was still on the campaign trail, these are the, these are the individuals yeah. I would nominate to the court. If you can't find, you challenged him, find one name on right. this list that you would not have cavanaughed as, as that new verb right. has come to be. Yeah, no, no, that, 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 that shows where the left is at. It is, it, they are so radical. Uh, it just shows where that, and frankly, it really starts with one individual. It really does. I've said this already, and you know this as well, Bob, that the, 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 this election is about one person whose name's not even on the ballot, and that's the president. The leftists, that for some reason, they are completely out to stop the president and all his policies, in spite of the amazing record over the last 21 months that under this president's leadership that this country has experienced. We just saw it in the last week or so with the new agreement with NAFTA, with record unemployment, lowest unemployment in, in, in record, uh, low unemployment, lowest in over 20 years, and on and on the list goes. But the left, that they are out to stop the president and all his policies. So it starts right there as well. Yeah, I, you're, I, I don't disagree with that at all, Congressman Jordan. But I, I feel like it's this time it's more than just Trump because it's it's what they're calling, which is it, it's true. You know, a tip to the right uh, of the court uh, for a generation uh, potentially here. Yeah. If you look at the youth of some of these individuals, individuals like Gorsuch and uh, uh, and uh, and Kavanaugh, they're they're worried about the tip of the court, whether it's Trump as president or not. They're, you know, for the well, that, that's why this it, one was fought it, so much it, harder than than Gorsuch was. You know, especially well, because it, of his youth and the Kennedy factor. I think it starts with the president, but you're right. The, 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 the left, they cannot, they, they do not want to see a pro-life court, a court that respects the sanctity of human life, including unborn. They do not want to see that. They do not want to see a court that respects the Second Amendment. They do not want to see a court that respects the Constitution. So I, I think you're right about that as well. But so much of this, this, this venom you see on the left starts with their, their, their just extreme dislike of the president in spite of the amazing record under the president's leadership that our country has seen in his time and all. Last thing on the court, and then I ask you a couple of other quick questions. Um, the, the left is already talking about impeaching Kavanaugh as soon as they win the House. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. I know, right? But yeah. but here's here's my thought. I don't know if you saw this, but on Friday, right around the same time or maybe shortly after Susan Collins was delivering her uh, very, very you know well-articulated, uh, passionate speech about why she yeah. is going to vote for uh, for confirmation, 
Uh, Justice Elena Kagan sat before uh, a panel or on a panel before uh, a crowd at at Princeton and declared that there is no uh, there is no one left on the court who is going to be in the middle. She declared that there's no one who's going to be fair and impartial because Kennedy is gone, being replaced by uh, by Kavanaugh. Is that not a de facto admission that she herself does not approach cases <laughs> with impartiality and fairness? She's on the court and said, now we don't have that person who's in the center. Why doesn't she volunteer to either become the center, meaning you yeah, will sometimes point. vote for for the you know the, the the constitutional conservative side of things? But I mean, they, that's almost disqualifying, I think, uh, as a justice to say there's I'm on the court. Well, and by the way, there's no one who's impartial on the court now. Yeah, no, it's 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 a sad state of affairs, I think. Um, but it's I think it's real. Um, you know, um, Kagan and Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they're leftists. Uh, we know that. We they're activists. I think it's probably even a better way to say it on the court. Sure. Uh, and they're not adhering, in my mind, uh, and I think in so many people's minds, they're not adhering to um, the Constitution and and strict interpretation of the Constitution, which is why we all wanted Gorsuch and Kavanaugh in the first place, because they do. That's consistent with American history on the court, uh, not this activist court that's actually serving as a super legislature uh, versus a court. So um, hopefully now, though, with five on there, we'll get the kind of conservative uh, judicial decisions that we are uh, that we should be getting from uh, our nation's highest court. Yeah, constitutional decisions, which is which is the yep. most important thing here. Uh, let's talk about you know again they can't do that without power. They can't do that without the majority. So let's talk about this. The uh, uh, Republicans, I think, have been have been you know unified and and are rallying together more than ever before behind mm-hmm. the injustice of what was just done to Brett Kavanaugh. But the fact that he is now confirmed and it's a victory for the uh, for the right side, it's a it's a loss for the left. Has them more rabid and 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 animalistic quite frankly than ever ever before and they now know well they are they're acting like animals in a lot of circumstances and they now know the only chance they have to fight back is in november so uh it's all about turnout now they are motivated more than yep. ever before and so are we what do you think is going to happen well i think they were motivated already uh, and what, what we talked about before and that's driven by their they're just that they just didn't like they don't like our president which again i think he's doing an outstanding job and so i think they were they were highly motivated before uh, it may be even somewhat uh, elevated from that, but I, I think that would be hard to hard, hard to see. Um, what I hope happens, and what I think is happening, is our side is saying, "Look, we now see what's at stake here, based on the left's crazy uh, actions." And hopefully, our side is going to come out and support uh, Republicans in 29 days as well. That's what we hope. We're seeing signs of that, and if that happens, I think we'll be fine. I think the Senate's going to be fine. I think the House is going to be close, but I think we can keep it. Particularly, Bob, if we if we don't run the typical cookie-cutter campaigns, localized races, but we frame it up like this. The left is crazy. They're the party of Kaepernick, Cuomo, and Waters. And frame that up against what the president has accomplished in the last 21 uh, months, where we see regulations reduced, taxes cut, the economy growing at 4.2%, unemployment at its lowest in 20-some years. Gorsuch 50 years court, now, 50 years court. now, 50. we got to yeah, adjust that, 53.7% as of Friday. Yep. Uh, Gorsuch on the court, Kavanaugh on the court. Uh, we're out of that crazy Iran deal. The NAFTA deal has been done. Uh, the embassies in Jerusalem and the hostages are home from North Korea. So I will match that record up with the crazy left policies and where they want to take the country. And if we frame it like that over the next 29 days, we're going to win. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I hope we do continue to frame it like that again, because I know the enthusiasm is going to be extraordinary on the right, on the left, rather. Uh, it's got to be just as much matched, if not exceeded, by those on the right saying we have to preserve our majorities. Yep. And once we do preserve the majority, then we have to get Jim Jordan in, with that gavel in his hand so that we can make sure we're we do. Bingo. Do what we said. Yep. Do well, what said. we said and support the President of the United States from the legislative side as well. Uh, Congressman, thanks so much for making the time today. I you know bet, you're Bob. tight, your schedule's tight. Enjoy Columbus Day. All right, you too. Take care. Thank, thank you so much. That's right. I'm calling it what it is. It's Columbus Day to the uh, idiots down in the People's Republic of Oberlin, which has declared it Indigenous People's Day. Uh, stuff it. Uh, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it. Right up your nose. Back after this. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.